Good evening. Hey, great to have you guys here. If you're new around here, my name is Stephen. Uh, I'm the pastor, and uh, I'm excited to have you here for our Christmas Eve service. I guess it's really more like a Christmas service. It's just on Christmas Eve. And so Merry Christmas, and, uh, and thanks for being here. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn it. Well, actually, we're going to be all over the place, so just, you know, keep it handy. We've been in a series as a church entitled The Christmas Quest. The Christmas Quest. We've been doing some fun things with it. Uh, We passed out cards to everybody, and they were running around doing all sorts of different things, kind of on this journey or this adventure, uh, you know, just to create some excitement around Christmas. And so there was like this fun element to it, but then also there's this uh, element underneath it of trying to understand what is the Christmas Quest? What is the grand adventure? Why does the world stop and slow down? Every December 23rd, 24th, 25th, whatever it might be, and pause for a second over the birth of a child that happened 2,000 years ago. Is this just cultural? Uh, Is it just social? Uh, Or is there something deeper going on? Is there a reason why the world pauses to look back and to reflect on what happened on a holy night 2,000 or so years ago, and is what happened on that night, that first Christmas night, is that the end, or was that just the beginning? Was the quest for him just to come to earth, or was there a quest beyond him just arriving? And so tonight, I want to walk you through the Christmas quest. Now, the series uh, that we've been um, doing as a church for the last couple of weeks here in December was based on Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. I'll read it to you. And I'll be honest, some of you are going to look at this and you're going to go, what does that have to do with Christmas? And that would be a fair assessment. Uh, Hopefully by the end of the night, I can prove it to you. This is what Acts 4 says. It says, now they were, now the full number, which is about 25,000 people or so. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, 25,000 people sharing. I can't get my three kids to share. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This was the beginning of the the first church. And now, of course, there's churches all over the place, but there was, of course, a first church, and that was uh, shortly after Christ's death and his resurrection. The first church gets started, and they experience the season of grace. And in the season of grace, it was like selfishness was destroyed. Generosity was unleashed. People were walking around with a grace, a, a love, and a joy, and a peace that wasn't normal. And it was like, for that moment, that group of people, the 20,000, 25,000 or so, of them. Uh, They were experiencing like this, uh, again, I'll call it just like a season of grace amongst them, almost like Christmas, where for 24 hours or 48 hours, there's like this season of grace. And we even have a phrase for this, don't we? It's, It's Christmas. It's Christmas. And we use this, and we use it as an excuse to offer uh, ourselves grace or to um, ask grace from somebody else. Like, officer, I know I was going 40 miles and over, over, but come on, it's Christmas. You can't give me a ticket, right? Or you do it for yourself, and you eat the extra piece of cake, right? Why? It's Christmas. Or you look at somebody, and you say, come on, can't you come help me? It's Christmas. 
And this phrase, we know, we use it, and we only use it up until December 25th, because if you try to use it on December 26th, somebody says, talk to me again in 363 days or whatever. It's not Christmas anymore. And so for this short period of time, the phrase, it's Christmas, means you ought to be kind. You ought to be generous. Uh, Moms or dads, sometimes we use this with our children, and it doesn't sound very kind, right? Like, you will behave tonight. It's Christmas, right? Get along. Like each other. Maybe say this to your adult children when you get older. I don't know. It's Christmas. And then what happens? December 26th hits. And if... You're anything like my house. When December 26th hits, typically Christmas is over, okay? Tree out by the curb. Lights packed up. Lindsay's vacuuming. We're done, okay? It's over. It's not Christmas anymore. You pack it all up, and then you do it again next year. But it seems like when we pack away the ornaments and we pack away the gifts and we send all the old clothes now to Goodwill and put the new ones in the closet, that as we pack all of those things up, We pack some other things up too. Love and joy and peace and grace and generosity and the phrase, it's Christmas and everything that goes with it. As if the quest was this, just make it to Christmas. And for a moment, for a moment, let's pretend that all divided things have been brought back together. The siblings you've been fighting with, the people you haven't talked to all year, The one you don't talk to anymore because of this or that, and you know what this and that are. And you, for a moment, will allow some divided things to be brought back together. But then it's over. We're done. We'll do it again next year, maybe. It'll be Christmas again. We pack it up. Then it's over, and we start over again. We hit the new year. We go back to our old patterns. Uh, We we, um, reinstate old barriers and divisions, and we go back to our own little places, the exact opposite of Acts chapter 4. We wait again to maybe do it again. So there's the Christmas quest, right? The the Christmas quest for the the individual seems to be like, I'm going to enjoy this season. I'll get everything I can out of it. The corporate uh, Christmas quest is the whole world kind of pausing for a second and extending some love and some joy and some peace for just a couple of days. Maybe you've even seen some of the iconic movies of the past uh, in the, or heard the famous stories of like wartime when for just a moment, because it was Christmas, they stopped even fighting a war, right? Maybe you've heard this story. They stopped and they said, let's cease fire for Christmas. And the world kind of has a, a tendency to do that for a little bit, but it seems like the world's quest for Christmas then again is let's just experience at least a little bit of it for a moment. Then pack it out. And so here you have the individual quest, whether it's for you or the corporate quest. Now, before we get too deep into this, though, let's just uh, give some terminology here for a second. What is a quest in general, I've got a definition for you. It's kind of a long definition. You're never going to like, you know, memorize it. But let me, let me throw it out to you. A quest is a hero from humble beginnings facing a great struggle to accomplish an impossible task for a chosen recipient in order to create a new future. There's a bunch of elements in there. Let me help you understand this for a second. Think Lord of the Rings. 
right? You've got Frodo, the hero from the Shire, facing a great struggle, right? The, the power of the ring. He has to accomplish the impossible task of making it past the orcs and the trolls and everybody else so that he can destroy the ring. The chosen recipient is all of Middle-earth to create a new world. They even use the word quest in the Fellowship of the Ring. It's a quest. It's a grand adventure, And then you think, well, what's a Christmas quest? Well, I've already described a little bit what it looks like, but then don't we all kind of have our own individual Christmas quest as we're kind of journeying through this? I mean, perhaps some of you guys can relate to my annual Christmas quest, which is where I am the hero from the humble beginnings of not having a clue, facing the great struggle of trying to find the perfect gift for Lindsay that is both a surprise and something that she actually wants, and it seems like an impossible task, though she is the chosen recipient of whom I love to create a new future where she doesn't look at me and say, you failed again? Nope. Okay. She's never said that. I promise. Okay. And some of you guys, maybe you've been on that quest. You've been looking, right, for the perfect gift for your spouse. And you think like, okay, uh, I'm going to do it this year. Well, here's the deal. I'm in year six and I finally nailed it. Yes. I'm pumped. Almost. Okay. Here's what happened. So I (laughs) finally, ladies, I picked up on the hints okay, they were being dropped, and by hints, I don't mean like read the Amazon list, like, like actual like verbal hints, and I thought, okay, this is the perfect gift. I know she wants it. She doesn't think that I know that she wants it, and I'm going to go to the store. I think she has no clue that I'm going to buy it, and so I'm going to go do this. It's going to be a complete surprise, and I'm finally going to win, and so I was feeling good about myself, and so I texted a buddy who was an expert in this area, and some of you were like, what was it? Well, I decided, I was like, should I talk about that? It was a gun, Okay. <laughs> A Glock, actually. Okay, so, uh, and so I was like, I'm going to go buy her a gun. And uh, somebody yesterday was like, our pastor's allowed to talk about guns? I don't know. This one is. I talk about a lot of other things people tell me I'm not allowed to talk about. So here we go, right? <laughs> Stephen, you can't talk about guns and politics. That's like all I talk about. Okay. All right. Now, welcome to redemption. All right. <laughs> so. I texted my buddy, who's an expert in the area, which means he has a lot of guns. And I was like, hey, I think I'm going to buy Lindsay a gun. He texted me back. He's like, I'll be at Bass Pro in 10 minutes. I was like, whoa, slow down. All right. Okay. So we go over there, and uh, I'm like looking. I'm like, actually, I wasn't looking. I was just like, just tell me what to buy. Okay. So I get a safe. I get some ammo. We buy the family gun. I say that for legal reasons in case anyone watches this later. Okay. So we buy the gun that was for me, right? Okay, so, so we go in, we buy the gun, uh, and I come home, and I'm hiding everything. I'm putting it all away, all of that kind of stuff, and uh, I'm feeling really excited about that. Uh, I'm like, oh, we won, we won. This is so good, and, and, and I hit everything perfectly, and then we are, that night, we're going to go to the lights at the zoo, and so we're driving the kids to the zoo. It was a beautiful night. I'm like, life is perfect. Right, I got the kids in the car. We're gonna go to the zoo lights. I got the, I won the Christmas quest. I, I got Lindsay a gift. It's both a surprise and something that she wants. This is gonna be awesome. And so I'm like, you know, rolling into the zoo, feeling good, listening to my Josh Groban Christmas playlist. And we park. And as we park, the guy parks in front of me, and he pops out of the car first. And without a moment of thinking, I go, "Ha! Huh! That's the dude I bought the gun from." And Lindsay looks at me and goes, you bought a gun? And I said, Merry Christmas. So I failed. (laughs) We will try again next year. Yeah. Okay. Failing the Christmas quest is not fun. 
But it seems like the greater Christmas quest, if Christmas is really not an end but a beginning, if we're searching for something, love, joy, and peace, both in here permanently, not just for 48 hours, and out there corporately, it seems like sometimes we fail that one too. Or the world fails it in general. And when we can look around at our world, and do we see it's Christmas all the time? What if we're supposed to? What if, what if we're supposed to see the quest accomplished? Well, in order for any quest to be accomplished then, it needs a hero, and it needs a hero from humble beginnings. And here has been the strategy of humanity, not just for the last 10 years or the last 30 years or the last 300 or even the last 3,000. Actually, going all the way back to the very beginning, man has had a, uh, a solution to this, and, and, and man has been on a quest. Humanity has been on a quest, and, and humanity's quest looks something like this. Every quest is a hero from humble beginnings, and you Humanity has looked inside of him or herself and said, okay, I will be the hero, and I'll go on this adventure, and I will find what I'm looking for in life. And, and for some of us, it's uh, morality. For some of us, it's success. For some of us, uh, we just want to be at peace. For others of us, we're just like, I just want to live a good life. For some of us, uh, it's gotten so bad, we're like, I just want to survive. Uh, but we, we look in at ourselves and say, okay, I'll be the hero of the story, and I'll make something happen. And this has been going on since the beginning. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see the very first humans do this for the very first time. And what they decide to do is to make themselves the center of the story, reject God. God's standard, embrace their own plan. And what happens as a result, sin enters into the world. And what was supposed to be connected, man and God, is now divided. The individual quest now begins. Man was supposed to be connected to God. That's where man was going to experience all that we desire. When we say the phrase, it's Christmas, all that was supposed to be found in that, man was originally created to experience that, but it was lost when sin entered into the world. And you go, well, okay, that was like a long time ago. Like, aren't we better now? No, the rest of the story of scripture tells us that now all of us are born into that sin or under that sin. One verse says it this way, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, then now all of us carry the consequence of being disconnected from God because of our individual rebellion or sin against God. We're disconnected. What was supposed to be united is now disconnected. And let me just tell you this right now. The, 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 um, the anger, the bitterness, the jealousy, the, um, the, the lack of uh, peace, um, the, the constant angst, the constant worry, the constant dissatisfaction, the brokenness that you uh, experience or feel in here or that you see out there in the world is a result of all of this that I've just mentioned. And then in the very next chapter, the world uh, loses not just the individual quest, but the corporate quest. See, we see a story in Genesis chapter 4, and in this story, it shows us the very first time that humanity, uh, we, see, we see corporate humanity, and it's um, summarized in the story of two brothers. And uh, just to clarify around here, we believe the Bible, uh, and so we believe Genesis is a literal story of humanity, okay? Um, but even though it is the literal story of humanity, it is also showing us pictures of how humanity works. And so in Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, we see this. 
These are the first two brothers, right? Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. See, what happened is there was a, a moment where uh, Cain, his uh, offering wasn't accepted, and Abel's was, and Cain gets jealous. He gets angry. He gets bitter. Ever felt any of those things? He, he, uh, the, the peace, the joy, the love, the Christmas is gone. And Christmas disappears from Cain's heart, and now he's driven by an anger toward his brother Abel. And so he says, all right, I'm going to fix this. Uh, Cain, he represents to us one strategy of fixing our issue, which is uh, I'm just going to take control. I'm the hero of the story. I'm going to exert my power. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to win. You can't stop me. And so Cain looks at his brother. He kills his brother. And then God says, what did you do? And he said, am I my brother's keeper? Do I have to care about him? No. Let my brother's blood be spilled for me. And some of us go, that's a little intense, right? Like, I would never do that. Would you ever lie? Would you ever cheat a little? Would you ever do anything that was against God's perfect standard for your benefit to the detriment of someone else? Well, the rest of the story says it's, it's pretty much the same thing. What is it? It's brother turning against brother. It's humanity turning against itself. You read a little bit in the story, and what happens is this. As a result of everything that's going on, Cain is banished, and he's moved to a different city. And it says in that part of the, the scriptures that he moves to a city. It's called Nod, and it says where the presence of the Lord was not. And so now humanity that is supposed to be united, is disconnected from God. And humanity is, that is supposed to be united to itself, that is supposed to be connected one to another, now humanity is divided. And so now, the individual quest, the individual journey, how do I get back to God? How do I get back to the place of who I was supposed to be? How does humanity treat each other well? How do we live amongst each other with love and joy and peace? Now that's broken too. And the rest of the story of the scriptures is just humanity's attempt to, to create or to fix the problem on its own, to make itself the hero and to go on a grand adventure to solve the impossible task of fixing what was lost in those two stories. In Genesis chapter 6, we get a snapshot of how it was going. Look at these words. Put these on your next Christmas card. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Merry Christmas. How's humanity doing? Things are getting bad. People were so evil, they just thought about it all the time. In fact, if you're familiar with the biblical story arc, what happens next is God says, this is so bad. I've got to start it over. And maybe for a second you go, come on, humanity can never be that bad. Can I suggest something to you? It is actually very easy for us to say that in a country that still celebrates Christmas. Why? Because every year we even pause just to experience a little bit of God. You know what's interesting about the war on Christmas? It's not just what is Starbucks putting on its cups. It's are we going to erase the very last semblance 
or some of it, of that which has created the goodness that we live in anyway? Are we going to let it all be stamped out? There are places around the world that don't celebrate Christmas. They don't even have a little bit. The, the, the few moments where the world stops and goes, it's Christmas, let's be kind. Oh, I'm sure. In fact, much of the story of humanity, actually, as humanity takes out uh, different paths and different strategies, right? Because not everybody on their quest takes the same path. And so uh, over time, uh, we could kind of summarize some of the different paths that people have taken. Some people, yourself included, uh, whether it's uh, the individual path, we see it both individually and corporately, would be like the power path. I kind of laid that one out a little bit. And what it is, is it's you deciding, I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to make my life good. I am going to win. I am going to dominate other people. I'm going to push other people down. As long as I achieve success, as long as I accomplish what I want to accomplish, then I'll get there. You know what's interesting? You've probably already achieved or accomplished something that in the past you said, once you get here, then you'll feel right and you don't. And you've woken up, and you thought, gosh, I thought when I bought this, or when I got to that, or when I did this, then I would feel what I wanted to feel, and you don't. And so then you thought, I'll just do more. More power, more control, win more, achieve more, be driven more. We've seen corporately the world do this, the power path where, where even like governments and nations, right, with no sense of um, grace or truth, uh, but just with sheer exert of power said, we're going to create the perfect society. Uh, and it's all top down. We have terms to describe this thing like communism and totalitarianism, right? And we've watched how these things have affected history, uh, literally creating like hells on earth that people live inside of where death and despair kind of run amok. And, uh, and you look into that society and you go, wow, this is not, this can't be what it was supposed to be. No, because the power path will never get you there. So then what uh, kind of emerged out of that is, and maybe some of you have, have taken this, and, and there's actually a verse uh, later on uh, in the book of Judges. It's the last uh, verse in the book of Judges, which is a little bit later in the story of the Bible. And it says something like to this effect, there was no king in Israel. Everybody did what was right in his or her own eyes. I'll call this the secular path. And, and what happens in this path is uh, you go, no, 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 no. I'm not like one of those guys that just wants to push everybody down. Uh, I'm not one of those people that is just trying to dominate and win. No, no, I, I, I love people. I want to be kind to people. In, in fact, I think that uh, really whatever anyone thinks goes should go. And if you think something's right, then that's okay. There's not really a standard. But, you know, if you think it's right, then that's fine. If you think it's right, that's fine. And I'm just going to kind of live up to my own standard and try to do my own thing. And it's the, it's the secular path, and, and we're still at the hero of the story, and what we're trying to do in that path is uh, we're trying to like almost create our own type of, no, this is what I think will make the world right. And we've seen this play out individually. We've seen it play out corporately. And honestly, right now, we see a lot of this in our own culture and society right now. And as we've seen, by, by the way, as we've seen the rise of this, you know what we've also seen the rise of? Suicide. And, uh, uh, and now in some nations, like the rise of euthanasia, like, the, like the, let's just let people end it whenever they want. Like, like, and, and these empty lives uh, being created by these empty promises built on these empty foundations. And people go, uh, okay, but, but if we just figure out the perfect little way to all work together. There was actually a Coke commercial in the 70s that says something like, this. I wish I could teach the whole world to sing. I wish we could all just get along. 
And then what happens? Humanity turns on itself again. We can look in, uh, in, in, in nations uh, around the world where, um, that, that espouse some of what I'm talking about right now. And you, and you look in and, and you, you listen to their theories and their philosophies and their whatever. And even if they're well-intended, you see, what are the results of these? Unity? No. Division. United things aren't, or divided things aren't united. Divided things become more divided by everything, by race, by gender, by class, by education level. Divided, 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 divided. This can't be it either. Then there's another path. Some of you, you've come to this one. It's called, I'll call it the religious path. And the religious path is this. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to be moral. I'm going to uh, live up to the, the perfect standard. Uh, I'm going to learn the truth that I need to learn. And then by my own uh, ability, I'm going to live up to a perfect moral standard. So uh, if there is a God, I think there's a God, he can't be mad at me because I've done everything so right. The, Jesus, actually, when he was on the earth, you know what? He actually spoke harshest words against the group that was running down this path. And he looked at that group of people at different times and, and in essence told them, you don't actually understand the truth. You think you understand the truth, but you're misapplying the truth and it's actually wreaking havoc and it's leading to just as much despair. And I've said this often before, what's so dangerous about this path is that many people who are running down the religious path actually think they're on the right path because they're like, I believe in truth. What's the difference? You're still the hero of the story. You're still the hero of the story. And in all of these paths, all of these paths, uh, when we go on these quests, right, and we make ourselves the hero of the story to accomplish the impossible task of experiencing the love and the joy and the peace of Christmas, both individually and corporately, Paul later, uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a, a verse to try to help us summarize what was going on when everybody takes these different paths. And it's in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. He says these words, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. And he goes on to say this, and not according to Christ. Let me summarize what Paul was saying there. He's saying every time you and I make ourselves the hero of the story and we run down any one of these paths, either individually or corporately, it will always lead to the same emptiness as it has before. It will never produce, not Acts chapter 4, that type of community, or not that in your own heart. It won't work. It never has. So what do we need? If we can't be the hero of the story, we need a hero who goes on a quest, who will face a great struggle to solve an impossible task for a chosen recipient to produce a new future. Do we have that in Christmas? Let me read you some verses. Matthew chapter 1, verse 28. Actually, excuse me, verse 18. I'm going to start there. It says these words. 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And here we have in the beginning of the Christmas story, kind of the first steps of uh, maybe this is the quest. Maybe this is the answer to the Christmas quest that the world has been on since the beginning. We have the, the beginning of the story of a hero from humble beginnings, the foreshadowing of the birth of a child who's going to be born to a virgin. How improbable, how much of a struggle is that? Uh, born in an obscure town that nobody knows, how could he rise up to be the king? Luke, another writer, writes of the Christmas story. He adds a little bit of details on the actual night of his birth. He says it this way. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the ruler, by the way, of the power path of his time, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And... While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Oh, here's a hero now from humble beginnings. He can't even find a place to, uh, they can't even find a place for the child to be born in a house. And however we interpret what's going on here, uh, he's going to end up being born on the outside, not on the inside. He's going to be born not where everyone is, not where the people who have are, but where those who do not have are. And he's going to be born in a wooden manger. And here we do have the, the, the beautiful story, and it is a beautiful story, of that very first Christmas night, the, the king of the universe, the hero from humble beginnings. And uh, in the story, we already see some struggle here between Mary and Joseph, and, uh, but the quest that God is going to come down to earth, which, by the way, is an impossible task. And then later on, as the story of that night continues, you see, okay, maybe these were the recipients uh, of what was going on. These angels get to watch in on what happened on that night. Let me read this part of the story. You've probably heard it. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in slattling cloths and lying 
lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What a beautiful night. And it does have much of the makings of a quest. There's a hero from humble beginnings. There's a struggle. There's uh, the recipients there, the angels, who now get to sit in and they get to watch. And the glory of God is actually present in that moment. And I bet for those shepherds who got to watch and got to see the angels sing and got to behold the baby Jesus right there in the manger, they probably thought, this is it. Like the quest has been accomplished. But there's two ways to look at the quest. Is Christmas the end or the beginning? Was this the quest? The, the, the hero from humble beginnings being born into the manger, which is pretty humbling uh, when you would look back at it, just so that the angels could watch in at that moment so that there could be a little bit of glory that would happen there and an elevation of Christ and the Lord on that particular night. Was Christmas the end or was it just the beginning? It was what happened on that night. Let me say it another way. Is all of this, is Christmas, is the love and the joy that we peace uh, and peace that we seek right here, that you seek in here, is it the end or is it just the beginning of something? Is what we experience here for 48 hours a year, is this the end? Is this the, uh, we made it or is this just supposed to be a snapshot of what the real quest is all about? I was... (laughs) Practicing this next part of my sermon in the car the other day, uh, uh, Reagan was in the back seat, and so Reagan gets to hear me preach a lot, and she gives me great feedback, okay? Reagan's five, and I got done with it, and I I said, Reagan, how'd it go? And she said, Daddy, it was pretty awesome, but your voice got very shrieky. I said, thanks, babe. Then I said, Reagan, will you pray for the people when when they hear the sermon? Will you pray for them? She said, yeah, Daddy, I'll pray for them. And so this is what she prayed. She said, Daddy, or she said, Dear Lord, she said, I pray that the sad people wouldn't be sad anymore, that they would understand what Daddy's talking about, and that if they listened to it on their phones, they would understand. (laughs) She lives in a podcast world. I said, Reagan, that's a pretty prayer. I said, baby, that's my prayer too. That the people who are looking for Christmas would find it. That this would be the year when Christmas would go from out there to in here. See, Christmas, Christmas is not the end. It's just the beginning. But if Christmas is just the beginning, then all of the elements of the quest have to still be true. 
What we still need is a hero from humble beginnings. What we still need is a struggle that the hero has to face, an impossible task that the hero must accomplish for a chosen recipient to create a new future. And so we have to look, if Christmas is just the beginning and not the end, do we still have all of the elements? And you have to start with the first one because the first, time, the first thing that we realize this is this, that the true Christmas quest can't have you as the hero of the story. So we need another hero. He had one humble beginning, one humble beginning of being born in a wooden manger. And perhaps you go to yourself or you think to yourself, what could possibly be more humbling than the king of the universe incarnate as, human, as a human being, being born as a baby in a wooden manger? What could possibly be more humbling than that? Only one thing. That same child growing up to be a man, the king of the universe, and dying on a wooden cross. A new, humble beginning. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 would, I'm sorry, in Philippians chapter 2 would write it this way in one of the simplest but most powerful verses in the entire Bible. It says this, and being found in human form, he came, of course, as a child, but being found now in human form and uh, fully a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that moment was the humble beginning of a hero who is now going to face the greatest of all struggles. The writer of the book of Hebrews would try to describe the struggle to us. And uh, in one way, he, he describes it this way. He says, some of you uh, in your struggle, in your struggle against sin, but in your struggle to, uh, to make yourself the hero of the story, in your struggle to try to find what it is that you're looking for, in your struggle to find the love and the joy and the peace, in your struggle to try to find Christmas all year around. He says, you haven't yet struggled to the point of shedding blood. And what the writer was saying in that moment is there was one who in a different struggle uh, uh, struggled all the way to the point of shedding blood. And what he was talking about was Christ on the cross in that moment of the humble beginning of that great quest on the cross. Christ struggled in a way that no one had ever struggled before because what happened in that moment on the cross is all that had divided humanity, every attack, every cane on Abel, moment. Every time you and I did the wrong thing instead of the right thing. Every time you and I chose our path instead of his path. Every time individual humanity turned on itself. Every time corporate humanity turned one against another. All of the weight of that. All of the punishment of that. All of the dysfunction of that. Let me say it another way. All of the brokenness that you and I see out in the world as a result of those original disconnections fell on him on that moment. It was the greatest struggle ever. And why would he do it? Oh, the angel told us to save his people from their sins. That this was the only way that Christmas wouldn't be just an end, but it would be just a beginning. And the writer in the book of Ephesians would later describe it to us like this explaining to us what happened in that particular moment. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, 
He is the hero of the story. And then he reveals to us who the recipient of the quest was. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, who once were disconnected, have been brought near how? By your own power, by you doing what you think is right, by you trying to be the perfect person? No, none of that would do it. You were brought back how? By the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. In other words, he himself is the, the, the quest that you have been on. It is found all in Jesus. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and is broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create, here it is, because in any quest, there has to be something new on the other side, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What he's describing to us in that moment is this, that when Christ went to the cross and faced the greatest struggle, he solved two impossible tasks. The first is he made it possible for you to be made new, not because of what you did, but because of what he did, connecting you back to the God of the universe that you were separated from because of your sin. The second thing that he did is he made it possible for humanity to be reconnected to each other in an entirely new way way. All of it accomplished in the greatest quest. The hero from humble beginnings, yes, born in a manger, but then even more humbling, dying on a cross, facing the struggle of all that should have been our struggle. He took it on himself, creating something new for who? You, for you. And tonight, there is an individual quest here, and it's you. It's you. And all that you have been searching for, all that you have been looking for, whatever path you have chosen, whether you just decide you are going to do it on your own or anything goes, you'll figure it out along the way, or you're going to be the perfect uh, human being and that's going to get you where you are. Whatever path you've been on, I'm here to tell you that path won't get you there. This one will. Only this one. And you say, well, what do I got to do? Well, you're on a quest, and every quest starts with a humble beginning. And the Bible calls that humble beginning, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent for making yourself the hero of the story. And believe in the one who actually is. The one who came to join us on Christmas Day. And you say, well, what will it look like if I do? There, there has to be the chosen recipient. You're the chosen recipient of Christ's quest. But, but what happens if I do, Stephen? If I start going on this, right? You said there's got to be something new on the other side. What would it look like? What would it look like if I choose to go down this path? Let me tell you what it will look like. It will look like Christmas going from out there to in here. And when this path actually fully breaks in to you, when the grace of God fully breaks into you, uh, it's as crazy, you will begin to look as crazy as if it were May and somebody cut you off in traffic and you waved uh, with five instead of one fingers and they said, why were you so nice? And you said, I don't know. 
It's May. It's Christmas. They'd be like, what are you talking about? See, when this grace begins to break into you, the love and the joy and the peace, the generosity and the kindness and the goodness of this 24 to 48 hour period that we all kind of experience for a moment begins to break out all the time in every place to everywhere. What does it look like? It looks like the person who has hurt you the most in the world, you run into them and there is a grace and a love and a forgiveness in your eyes and they look back and they say, I don't know how you're treating me like this and you go dude it's Christmas when when you run into somebody and they're in great need and you have and you go I don't need this here you take it it's Christmas when all of the weight and all of the worry and all of the restlessness of life is running through your mind and you're feeling so weighed down and you're trying to do it all on your own, but then you sit down like you will tomorrow in a moment of peace when they've already unwrapped the presents and everything's done, you go sit down and you go, it's Christmas. Imagine that rest, that peace, that moment with you all the time. That's what this is like. It's it breaking inside of you. And some of you are like, that seems impossible. That's the whole point of the quest. He came to do something that seems impossible. And is this your night to begin it? Come on, it's Christmas. Let it in. Oh, and this quest is not just individual. It's corporate too. He said, but what, see, what would it look like then if that broke in to a lot of us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what it would look like. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. It was Christmas. So what would this be like if this broke in through all of us? Oh, it would look like that. It would look like that. You see, that seems impossible. That's the whole point. That Mary, Mary, so she pondered in her heart. And I could imagine there was a moment on Christmas night when she was pondering in her heart and she looked out with the angels there and the shepherds and I wonder if she thought this is what it's all about. But it was probably true that Mary in Acts chapter four was right there with all of them. She was still alive and active in the church. And I wonder if Mary pondered something different in this moment of Acts chapter four, when she looked back and she's watching 25,000 people and she goes, this is why he came. So that all these divided things could be brought back together. All these divided people could be reunited. Love and joy and peace would reign supreme. Not for a couple days or a week, but for all people, everywhere, for all of time. And friend, if you're a Christian, that's the quest we're on. 
that one. So, oh, it seems impossible. That's what makes it fun. You're on that quest. Christmas is just the beginning. Let's go bring Christmas to the world. I want to pray. And as I pray, I want to pray for those of you first who you need the individual quest and you need to start tonight. And I want to pray for you. Would you pray with me? Every quest starts with a humble beginning. The Bible calls it repentance. Tonight I want to call you, if you've never done this, to repent. Repent of making yourself the hero of the story. Repent of your sin that separates you from God and embrace Christ's victory on the cross for you. You are the chosen recipient of it. And now walk in the newness of Christmas breaking inside of you. Let love and joy and peace break in. Throughout history, there's been different ways that people have done this. And the words I'm about to pray, they're not magical. But when we mean them, something transpires inside of us. You could pray them in the silence of your own heart right now. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that disconnects me from you. And no path that I make myself will get me back to you. So I choose your path. Jesus' death and resurrection is the struggle and the payment for my sin. Make me new. If you've prayed that, you have a birthday today too now. New birth, life in Christ. For the rest of us, may we be on the quest, the greatest quest of all time. We get to bring Christmas to the world every day to every person for all of time. Lord, help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.